This is the WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now, your host, Scott Walker. Right now, that time, 820, you're listening to WGNS. Today is Friday. It is January the 26th. And this morning, we'll be talking about different things going on within the state of Tennessee and different legislative updates on things happening within the legislative session. And this is State Representative Robert Stevens with us today. What all is happening this time of year at the Capitol? Well, we just started back to our session. And uh, of course, we missed a week with the snow. But all the bills are going to be filed by Wednesday of next week. So there will be a flurry of ideas from all uh, ranges of ideas of uh, topics that are filed and we'll look at those in our subcommittees and our full committees and at the end of the session there'll probably four or five hundred new laws that are passed and my last year uh, or last year was my first year in the legislature so it was very interesting to see how it all works and how everything is negotiated and drafted up so it's very fast-paced and it's very uh, overwhelming trying to keep up with all the different topics that are out there that affect people's lives all over the state. So when you have that many new laws being passed, are there X amount of laws that go off the books at the same time? Or I guess you're seeing a lot of changes in the laws, and and maybe that's how some of that plays out. Well, some of the bills that are passed actually repeal a law. I passed a bill last year that repealed a law. Some of them change existing laws. Uh, you, You know, you go from A to B, but you don't really have a new statute. It just changes the wording that's already there. And then sometimes you have just a brand new law. Yeah. So what are the biggest issues that you see right now in the state of Tennessee? Well, this session, I think our budget is going to be a a major topic of concern. Uh, The revenues are not coming in as projected. So that means we won't have as much money to spend. And we also have a looming issue with our franchise and excise tax that we are going to have to address, which might cost hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, So that's going to be interesting to figure out what we fund and what we don't fund with limited resources this year. Uh, The past few years, they've been very fortunate to have booming revenues and more coming in than we expected, which means you can spend more and do more great things. But in years of famine, uh, when the money is not coming in as much, you have to scale back and make uh, some cuts sometimes. And when you look at the revenue that is coming in and you look at the cost of, let's say, for example, Rutherford County building new schools, because that's one of those big topics right now. When you look at cost involved with different things, you also have to look at the fact that, well, just for example, if uh, mortgage rates are up, well, that's going to mean that the bond rates are up as well. So when the government has to build something like a new school and they have to borrow money, Well, they're going to borrow it at a higher percentage rate, just like somebody buying or building a house is going to have to. That's correct. The inflation and the interest rates are a major uh, killer right now for the county and the state as well, because we have campuses for colleges that need new facilities. And uh, as everybody knows, the cost of construction has just skyrocketed the last few years, as uh, have interest rates. And so that just creates more cost for trying to do business and you can't do as much Um, as you used to without increasing revenue somehow. This being your first legislative year, did you get a lot of phone calls over the first few months? And if so, what types of things are constituents telling you or or asking of you? Well, we get all kinds of phone calls uh, from all over the state. And then during the uh, school safety thing at the end of the last session, we had calls from all over the world too. It was, it was quite interesting to, to uh, see why people in Switzerland were worried about our schools and uh, so forth here in America. But 
Uh, locally, we had a lot of calls about education. Last year, we had the third grade retention issue. We had a lot of calls about concerned parents and uh, people that were affiliated with the school system that were worried about that. And then, of course, we have a lot of calls from people that want to be sure that their uh, projects or their issues get funded properly. And uh, we got calls, too, for ideas about legislation, and sometimes those are really good ideas that uh, that we can take and put into a bill and try to pass it. So even phone calls from a, as far away as Switzerland? Yes, we had some interesting uh, calls, and we had uh, a death threat from somewhere, and it's just all kinds of uh, interesting people that call in and contact us. And people calling you from other countries, I, I mean, that's got to make you scratch your head a little bit at times, wondering why are they calling and why are they worried about something going on in Tennessee? I'm not sure. We were on uh, national and international news at the end of session, so I guess it might have sparked some interest. But um, anyway, hopefully this time it's a little bit more calm and we can focus on the issues and come up, coming up with good decisions. Some of the things that we've heard a lot about in the news in regards to the school shooting that took place not too long ago in Nashville, and that that really sparked off a whole chain of events happening in the legislative session. I, I mean, you saw a lot of new bills coming out. You saw a lot of parents who were very concerned about their children at, at their school district. We did, and uh, one of the things we did last year was we passed a bill to amend the budget to allow for each school to have an SRO in there. I think that's been very successful, and hopefully that's a, a deterrent for someone that might want to shoot up a school to know there is a, an officer there that is armed and able to help address that situation. Uh, in fact, in our education committee this week, we just uh, recommended a bill to move forward that would require each school to develop a policy on how to respond when there is a fire alarm. Uh, sometimes uh, if, if you have a gunfire in a facility that smoke from the gun might set off the fire alarm and so we don't want people to go out into the hallway thinking there's a fire when it really might be an active shooter uh, and so the, so the uh, our house majority leader passed or is pushing that bill right now and we recommended to forward that on that's a great idea um, one of our school board members brought to our attention that substitute teachers don't always get the same level of training that uh, the regular teachers do and uh, I'm not an engineer, but I do know that if you have a system, your system is only as strong as the weakest link. So if we have people in these classrooms that aren't trained or that don't know what the policies are on how to respond to situations like this, that could be a major, uh, major crisis. So we want to be sure that our substitute teachers that are in the classrooms are trained as well. And that issue of having the substitute teachers better trained, that's an issue that was sparked here locally from a member of the Rutherford County School Board. That is correct. And it's things like that, you know, ideas by local residents that can literally change a state. That's right. Uh, the best ideas come from people back at home that are in the real world. And so that's a great example of something that's pr uh, very practical, but also very needed. And uh, I'm going to be pushing that starting next week. This idea that substitute teachers are not receiving the same amount of training as full-time teachers in our school system, this subject, what have been the, uh, I don't know, the highlights of it? We just got the bill filed, and we're just starting it, so we're going to see what kind of pushback we get, if any. I think it will be difficult for school systems to be opposed to this. Uh, if they are, their questions are going to be, how do we keep everybody trained if we hire a substitute teacher halfway through the year, or uh, we don't have a training available, what are we going to do if, if we need to get them in the classroom? And so we're going to have to figure out how this is actually going to work. But this subject is one where we're just going to have to get it to work. Uh, this is not something that we need to play around with, and we need to get this done so that these people in the classrooms are all trained on how to respond. And I know the uh, school board member who really pushed for this here locally, Francis Rosario,
Rosellas, and she was talking about how she actually worked part-time as a teacher, and, and that's what really what led her to, to want to move forward with this idea, uh, of course, after everything unfolded in Nashville at the Covenant School there. That's right, and, and she told me that they had given her a manual on what to do if there was an emergency, but if something does happen, you don't have time to go flip through the manual and figure out what to do. You need to know uh, what alarm sound means what and you know how, where you go if you're in this part of the building. You know, it, it's a lot more complex than just reading the manual, so these people that are in the classrooms do need to be trained on what to do to be sure that the kids are, are protected the best we can. And, and the governor of Tennessee pushed for having some type of bulletproof window in all the new schools that would be built i believe from january of this year forward and for the schools that you know were already in service and had been around for years talked about putting a protective film on existing windows to make them not necessarily 100 percent bulletproof but to at least slow down that process of somebody shooting through a window of a school that's correct and we did create a grant fund last year for existing schools both public and private to make improvements to their school safety and they could be reimbursed for those expenses and i'm not sure how much of that money has been paid out or or what the success of that is but i do know that uh, there are schools out there that did make changes, and I'm sure they applied for the reimbursements for those upgrades of our safety. And you're looking at thousands and thousands of dollars literally per window when it comes to putting in bulletproof glass. Yeah, and uh, unfortunately, that's just the way we're going to have to do it going forward uh, to be sure we can minimize the threat of these um, active shooters that are out there. Now, did you grow up here in Rutherford County? I did. So looking back, I, I mean, would you ever have guessed that this is where we would be today, that lawmakers would be approving grants to put in bulletproof glass in schools? No, uh, it's it's quite shocking. I, when I was in school, I never imagined that this type of world would be the one that we live in. And it's not just uh, th this topic. All kinds of uh, crazy things are going on in our world that nobody would have ever expected 10 or 20 years ago. So, But that's the reality that we're in, and we do need to be proactive and do the best we can to, to react to these things. So, Also, an idea that is going to be a hot topic, arming teachers and, and allowing for certain teachers with certain training to go armed in the schools system. Yes, so last year uh, someone had a bill that would allow a teacher to uh, carry if the teacher wanted to and then also did the same level of training that an SRO would have to do each year, which I'm shooting from the hip here, no pun intended, but I think it was 40 hours of training per year to be able to carry that weapon in a school. And uh, that bill was moving around the time of the Covenant school shooting and uh, they decided to put it on the desk or to, to take it off notice for, you know, because it was such a, a sensitive topic at the moment. I'm not sure if that bill's coming back this year or not. I, I know that there are all kinds of bills, pro-guns, uh, anti-guns that are being filed. And of course, people have to Wednesday to file their bills. So who knows what we're going to actually end up getting uh, then when everybody does file their last minute bills. But it's going to be a topic of discussion for sure uh, on both ends of the spectrum on what we do uh, pro-gun, anti-gun, pro-teachers carry weapons, anti-teachers carry weapons. It's going to be a very hotly contested uh, subject, I'm sure. Again, State Representative Robert Stevens in studio with us this morning. And the district you serve is Rutherford County. And your area of focus would be the area of Smyrna and also, does it include a portion of Laverne as well? So this district is the western fifth of Rutherford County, and it's got parts of Laverne, a little bit of Smyrna, kind of the Blackman, West Murfreesboro area, part of Rockvale, and part of Eagleville. 
Okay. So in that area, anything that really has been a push by, by local residents? Well, the school safety is uh, the thing that we would probably get the most calls about. And, and again, that might be the we want teachers armed, we don't want teachers armed. So those types of things are, are contacts that we get from, from residents. Uh, we hear a lot of things about we need more roads. Uh, we want this issue fixed with our roads or we need shoulders or this and that. And sometimes those roads might be uh, city roads or county roads, and we can direct them to the to the right place to to make their uh, complaint or their request there. But uh, when it comes to Tennessee roads, we can get TDOT to look and see uh, is there a study that justifies widening this road or or adding a turn lane or a stop signal or whatnot to it. Uh, so we get contacted by the people for that, and then of course we get a lot of contacts about budget issues too don't raise taxes or we need more of this or spend more here cut this so we get we get emails and phone calls about those types of things too hey and if anybody has any questions this morning feel free to text those in 615-893-1450 again text the questions to us 615-893-1450 and there have been some steps to kind of make it easier i guess for t dot to get approval on let's say a road widening project or maybe a road extension project a lot quicker than in years past how how has that gotten off the ground or has it gotten off the ground well we just uh, last year passed a major transportation bill which has uh, billions of dollars for projects and uh, part of that's 300 million dollars that goes out to counties to help with their road projects but another major part of that is compressing the time that it takes to actually get a project done um, in the past, it might take 15 years from beginning to end to get something done, which is just absolutely outrageous. Uh, we need the things done faster. So what the transportation department has come up with is a way to be working on the different steps and phases of the project at the same time. Uh, to have some overlap with them instead of having to finish phase one first and then start phase two. Well, maybe we can go ahead and start working on phase two when phase one is almost done and get you know save some time there. And, and that th- that type of innovative thought process that they're bringing is hopefully going to speed up the delivery of these uh, road improvements and new roads that we desperately need. And there have been a lot of road projects in Rutherford County, and I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. One of those roads being Jefferson Pike, that entire area of Jefferson Pike, that's been really talked about for years. And some of the problematic areas of Jefferson Pike include areas where there have been multiple fatalities. What is everything looking like on Jefferson Pike for road improvement? Well, I, the the project is coming along very well. And of course, uh, I think in the future, we're going to extend it out even farther. Uh, but, but like you said earlier, the cost of things has gone up. Well, road road projects have gone up in cost too. And so again, we've got limited resources and we have to figure out how we can best best use those. Highway 99 is going to need some improvement with all the growth that's coming out there. Our existing state roads are going to need some widening and improvements in the future as we continue to bring in thousands and thousands of new people. So it's, it's a very complex issue, but we're going to do our best to solve it and, and bring the best uh, result back to our county. And there have been ongoing discussions about the Middle Point landfill and what to do about waste in Rutherford County. And these are discussions that involve every city within Rutherford County. Where does all that stand today and how involved at the state level are you and other state representatives? Well, I'm not sure what the latest is with landfill. The best idea that I ever heard about this was uh, from Representative Terry, actually, and uh, he had an idea for the state to purchase a mega site somewhere out in a rural county, you know, out away from people 
and to uh, set up a partnership with a private company to actually run this landfill where the state could purchase the property and make it a, a major central area for everyone to take their way so it's not in the population center like right here in Walter Hill or Murfreesboro. We can we could ship our stuff somewhere else. But that I don't know if that's gotten any uh, legs to it, but that was the best idea that I've heard of everything so far. That time, 8.37 in just a few minutes, I believe we'll be joined by State Representative Mike Sparks, who will be updating us on a TASSER study. And that study, it focused on, I believe, uh, the cost of housing here in Tennessee and affordable housing specifically. But we're going to take a short break. And during this break, feel free to go ahead and text us any questions you may have. And joining us in studio, we have State Representative Robert Stevens. Time again right now, 838. And you're tuned to WGNS. And we're broadcasting out of the Middle Tennessee Electric Studios. Middle Tennessee Electric, serving to make life better since 1936. If you're not waking up to the Wake Up Brew, here's what you've been missing. Disgruntled Workers Day. At this moment, (laughs) I am a disgruntled worker. Don't miss the Wake Up Brew with John, Brian, and Dalton. Weekday mornings from 6 until Swap and Shop. If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, capstarbank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Good morning. Cars up against the wall here in the Brentwood area, Williamson County at 65 northbound just past Concord Road. It's so heavy up through here now. Uh, Coming up through this section of Williamson County up from Franklin. Traffic's on the increase even more now on 40 coming past the airport there at Donaldson Pike. It's still busy but moving on 24 in from Rutherford County, Murfreesboro up through the Antioch area. Princess Hot Chicken has you covered for all your playoff games with catering. Check them out online for that menu at princesshotchicken.com. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. I like water aerobics. Margaret Ordabadian chose Adam's Place. It's been a great boon for my health to have water aerobics. The pool is a saltwater pool, and the instructors are all geriatric trained. And then they have uh, stretch and balance to help you keep from falling. I'm Terry Deal. Call me for more information about Adam's Place, 1927 Memorial Boulevard. Call Adam's Place today at 615-904-9111. Manufacturing, construction, agriculture. Blue-collar jobs are the backbone of America. Those workers know the car they drive to work isn't just for show. It's what gets them to their paycheck. So where do you turn when you need a car but your credit isn't perfect? At Heritage South Community Credit Union, we help when others won't. We've been helping everyday Americans like you through life's financial journey for over 65 years. Learn more at HeritageSouth.org. Insured by NTUA money issues? There's someone local you can talk to. Financial Coaching Radio with certified financial planner Jason Qualls. Weekdays at 4 on News Radio WGNS. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Right now that time, 841, and State Representative Robert Stevens in studio with us, and also we have coming on the line here in just a second on the phone, State Representative Mike Sparks. But uh, Robert, before we head to Mike, I know you were going to highlight some of the different things that 
help pay for I guess growth in Rutherford County but also drive up cost in Rutherford County and really throughout the state well we have all these people moving into our great community I uh, somebody told me that we're the promised land everybody wants to be here they found out that we have an amazing quality of life and, and great amenities and so forth including great schools and uh, as more people come, of course, we need more infrastructure and uh, we need more school buildings. And I was on the county commission for 12 years and I'm very familiar with their budget and how it, uh, how it takes so much revenue to fund the school construction and the operational costs and uh, how the growth can be a, a great pressure for them to fund these things. And so we've been working with uh, the various stakeholders. Representative Rudd had a meeting yesterday with local and state uh, real estate agents, builders, developers, and uh, of course, we've been getting feedback from our constituents and the local uh, commission and uh, school board members. And uh, Representative Rudd told me yesterday that I think we have an agreement and concept that's going to be a great benefit for Rutherford County, that the words are being put on the paper as we speak, and hopefully that's uh, ready Monday and absent some kind of uh, you know glitch with the wording. Uh, he was very optimistic that this is going to be something helpful for Rutherford County. So hopefully we do have something that we can do to help them uh, with their growing costs. And the cost of homes throughout Tennessee, but specifically in Rutherford County, we have seen the cost of homes rise tremendously over the last few years. I've been really surprised at some of the cost of the of the houses here well you know, a lot of that's uh demand because everybody wants to be here there's not enough supply and then you know big cost increases with the materials and the labor have driven the prices up as well and so um, if we end up doing some kind of increase to growth taxes which whichever way that is that's just going to make the price of the uh, homes higher uh, i don't think people are going to stop moving here or stop wanting to buy new houses but it, every time you increase the price of something you are going to uh, price out someone from being able to afford that home. So that's the trade-off of increasing the price with the tax or a fee that uh, you might push someone out of the market. So it's um, it's a difficult situation and a tightrope to, to walk on for sure. You know, it's interesting. Homes that you would see for sale for around two hundred fifty to $270,000 in, let's say, 2003, that that price quickly changed to around four hundred and fifty thousand dollars to around 2017 or so and then by 2019 not too many years after 2017 those same homes were selling for seven hundred thousand dollars or more yeah it's it's amazing but a lot of that's just basic economics there's so much demand to be here and so little supply and uh, we do have to figure out some ways to address affordable housing because uh, we have a lot of people that have uh, jobs like teachers and police officers that may not be able to afford a $700,000 home, especially with the interest rates the way that they are. And we want the people that work in our community to also be able to live here as well. So we've got to figure out ways that we can try to decrease the cost of housing and make the community affordable for everybody that does live and work here. So, And that $700,000 house is not some rock star house with, uh, you know, 10 bedrooms. It's it's almost an average house these days in Rutherford County. That's right. That might be a 2,500 uh, 3,000 square foot house with three or four bedrooms so uh, but that's the reality of the market and we do need to find ways to try and uh, lower the cost of housing if we can to make some affordable um, but then we also need to address the county's issues with their growth because they do have uh, needs and we understand those and want to help them and be a good partner with them. And now touching base on housing here in Rutherford County, we do have State Representative Mike Sparks to update us on a TASR study. Uh, Sparks, how are you this morning? Hey, doing good, Scott. Thanks for thanks for showing interest. Um, 
uh, in Tasser, and and I think you're kind of familiar with Tasser because you kind of led the issue on childhood sexual abuse and into the statute of limitations, and that led to legislation which asked Tasser to conduct a study looking at that issue. We had testimony, and that kind of I say primed the pump for lawmakers to look at that issue, which is a difficult issue for a lot of folks to look at and and even discuss um, after some strong testimony from a young lady in, in Rutherford County and her history of abuse. Uh, folks um, uh, did pass legislation the following year to uh, to allow victims to go back and, and prosecute with sufficient evidence. You know, so kudos to you, Scott Walker and WGNS for. Um, for uh, uh, having the, the the courage to uh, to come out and talk about some of this and why it's an important issue, but um, yeah, Tasser's meeting today. Um, I've got their agenda pulled up. Uh, they got broadband internet. They're discussing that today. Judicial redistricting and um, and then my legislation, uh, House Joint Resolution One Thirty Nine, which is directs them to look at housing affordability, impact fees, and development fees, and um, and the lack of affordable housing, uh, not just in Rutherford County, but across the state of, uh, of Tennessee. Now, when you look across the state of Tennessee, there are some counties here, out of the 95 counties, that the median household income, it's not enough to cover the monthly cost of a loan to buy a house in that county. Yes, yes. You know, um, I've got this pulled up. This is according to Redfin. The average home today is four hundred. The median sale price is four hundred and fifteen thousand dollars. Scott, in Rutherford County, um, you know, I bought my first home at twenty-two. Now it's our business on Nissan Drive. That was sixty thousand dollars back then. Uh, fortunately, my son, oldest boy, is able to win a bid at a auction of the day on a home. Hopefully, he'll close it out here in three weeks, and um, which was substantially less than its median. But it also needs some need some work um you know it's it's a i think it's a crisis i mean this growth uh is a crisis illegal immigration is a crisis and and it's totally unsustainable like brian barrett said yesterday uh when we done a, a smart issue show it's totally unsustainable in the in the situation we're in currently so when you look at this study the the tasser study what all does it highlight well I don't have the whole study pulled up. It's pretty lengthy. But what what my logic was and what I like about Tasser, and this is what I'm encouraging the county commission to do, and even Dean Emeritus Urban at um at MTSU School of Business, Jennings Jones College of Business, is um you know, Tasser, which stands for Tennessee Advisory Commission on Intergovernment Relations. And the current system I think that we're in and all, all due respect to County Commission, Robert served 12 years, I served 8 years, and been up here 14 years. And um, I think we've got to bring other folks to the – and much like Tasser, you know, the, the Speaker appoints uh, representatives. The, I think the Governor has an appointment. The, the Lieutenant Governor has an appointment. Uh, Jeff Peach, Town Attorney, uh, serves on it. A few mayors across the state serve on this. But but you're bringing wise counsel to the table. And even the book of Proverbs says there's wisdom in the multitude of counselors. It doesn't say there's wisdom in one state representative or one mayor or one alderman. It's the multitude of counsel. Of counsel. And we've got some sharp folks in our county. And what I've said is to create a, ta- a task force or an ad hoc committee, get CTAS involved, which CTAS is kind of technical assistance. You know, I-, I called them asking to be at our steering meeting. They never showed up. You know, the taxpayers are paying these people. We're paying lobbyists. I mean, 
And I'm, what I'm saying is, what's the return on investment? You know, if I, if I pay somebody to work on my central heat and air system, or I, I put a new roof on, on the house, I'm going to see the return. And I, what I'm saying, there needs to be accountability and transparency, and all hands needs to be on deck when it comes to the cost of growth. And it's mainly schools. But I'm pro-education choice. I think choice for parents who care more about students than anyone is the cornerstone of this republic. And I think choice will save the taxpayers some money because the system is unsustainable to, to, to build one school that was $90 million three years ago. Now it's $150 million. Well, and then the influx of undocumented immigrants, which I don't know if it's 700, 800, I don't know if it was 100, no one wants to talk about it. But this is crucial. What's going on in Texas affects Rutherford County. Have you heard any ideas on reducing the cost of construction of new homes or any ideas on how folks can get back to having affordable housing in their community? Well, and that's what we're hoping that with this study and others that could come to the table. You know, I'm not a developer. I'm not a builder. Uh, folks that are in development and, and, you know, construction and real estate know the cost of land is through the roof. I mean, we've just seen where the county is purchasing with the Beatty, the Beatty farm over here. And, um, I mean, you know, that's going to be expensive. Uh, so we can't continue just to build the, the same old usual a conventional wisdom can't be used, and I think it was Einstein that said, "You know, we can't. You can't continue to use the same ideas that created the problem you're trying to solve, and uh, and it's totally unsustainable." But what I want to encourage is Scott. I mean, Brian and I talked about this the other day to do a radio show and maybe bring up uh, county officials and just ask um, ask their what their solutions are. You know, I don't mind participating, but I think we need, maybe it's a retired school superintendent, maybe you've got an engineer, maybe you have an, a retired executive from, from Nissan or a current executive. Bring folks to the table that can say, hey, we have got a problem. The, the problem is both trying to build a home and afford the materials that's went through the roof, and then the cost of land has went through the roof, and you're going to have increased density, which gets into townhomes and apartments, and a lot of folks don't want, but... That's now the new affordable home, and sadly, I mean, a condo. If you looked at some of these townhomes, you know they're they're three fifty and four hundred thousand dollars a day. And in places like Murphy's, bro, the city has kind of curbed the idea of new rental properties that are multi-unit apartment complexes from building here. And and the way they're kind of curbing that issue is through impact fees. That it would literally cost an extra million or so dollars for a company to come in and build an apartment complex if that apartment complex was building, let's say, 100 units. Yes. it's um, uh, it, it, But to bring folks to the table, and I, I, I empathize with Dr. Sullivan and the school board. They're doing what they're tasked to do. The county commission has to fund that. So they're, they're doing what they have to do. But this isn't something new. The growth isn't new. I dealt with it on the county commission. Robert dealt with it on the county commission. Uh, but freeing up seats... Like I've mentioned, and I know that's not a cure-all, but, you know, my oldest boy skipped a grade. He just put himself through night school. But if you had that idea on the table, maybe that only helps 3% on seniors, but that's 3% that is moving the needle. Uh, homeschooling is moving the needle. Uh, charter school is moving the needle. Partnering with private schools like the governor is looking at doing with these scholarships, um, I don't see why that gets so controversial it gets controversial because the media creates the controversy 
and and creates this narrative like it's some nefarious uh, operation to educate kids. Let the parents have that decision. And I'm not alone in that argument. I mean, it, this thing polls at you know 65, 70 percent. I mean, parents agree with me, um, but. You know, I, that's the idea about the show. I think is something that maybe WGNS and y'all could help coordinate. Bring the mayor up, bring state reps up, bring county commissioners up, bring school board members to the table. I think Brian said the most you could get on the air is nine people. Is that right? Four in the studio and five on the call? Yeah, I, I mean, theoretically, once you get that many folks on the air at the same time, it gets a little confusing because it's radio and you know it's hard to differentiate between one voice versus another when you have nine people yeah i understand that but here's what i'm saying i'd rather have a little discussion than zero discussion yeah we don't have enough discussion to solve problems i guarantee at wgns when y'all have a problem y'all discuss y'all discussing it right then i mean to pay eighty thousand dollars an acre for 65 acres for a school that's totally unsustainable. You don't have to be Dr. Baum with an economics degree to figure that one out. $80,000 an acre for a school now? I, I mean, We've got to entertain new ideas for school choice and, and helping parents and churches that may want to host a, a, a homeschool and collaborate with, um, with homeschooling parents. And, of course, everything is more expensive these days. And I know something that I saw that was interesting. You know, I've heard from a lot of parents out there who they have taken their kids out of the public school system and they've yes. enrolled them in some type of online school that's not part of the county's yes. online virtual school. Yes, um, and, and I don't know if Robert wants to chime in on that. I can let Robert, you know, chime in if he wants to. Well, we we do have to look at other options, and um, I'm for school choice in general, but we haven't seen this bill yet. We don't know what's in it, and we're getting all these people that are for it and against it passionately, and nobody has even seen it yet. But we yes. do have to look at some different ideas on how we can free up classroom space. And uh, one of the big things that we mentioned a few minutes ago was illegal immigration. In 2018, there were 3,400 English as a second language students in our county schools, and this year we have about 7,500. So in the past few years, we've had this influx, and I think we can all deduce what the cause of that is. Uh, it's probably an open border, and somehow we have people coming here that um, if we had this many increase, there's a reason for that. But uh, that's a lot of seats, and we have to educate people regardless of their status. The school system can't ask someone, are you here legally? We, if their kids come, we have to educate them, and we have to provide people that speak their language and so forth. But that's a major, major issue, and of course, uh, that's more of a federal issue. And until they do something to help that crisis, we're not going to be able to, to uh, do as much of a state level or county level. And there are so many different languages spoken in our county school system today. It, it's literally, it's wild when you look at all the different languages. And at one point, I remember I was told there were 20 different languages spoken, and then the number has grown quite a bit, uh, well over 20 now. Oh, I don't know what the number is, but it was a very uh, shocking number. You wouldn't think that there was that many languages being spoken here, but everybody around the world is finding out that Rutherford County is the place to be, and they all want to come here and, and work and uh, of course, we want people to, to come and come legally and to contribute to our society and better their lives and all that, but we have to have some controls on this, and the number of people that are coming across our border illegally is just shocking, and there's not a plan for how to uh, help these people, and we've got to figure out how to get a handle on that first, and and that is a major issue that nobody really wants to talk about, but the illegal immigration is affecting our schools, and that is taking up classroom spaces. Uh, we also mentioned earlier about the interest rates and the cost of uh, construction. 
uh, it, it's easier to just pin this all on the growth industry and say we're going to tax them and try to fix our, our county budget problem or state budget problem or whatever, but that's just a small piece of the puzzle. Uh, if the inflation and the interest rates continue to go up, then that's just going to cause the cost to increase. And, you know, you can only tax these things so much, and, and the, the taxes on the growth will help with the cost of the construction of the facilities and the infrastructure, but it will not help with the operational costs. You can only use those types of fees for the infrastructure. So you still got to pay for the teachers and the administrators and the utilities and all of those types of things, and you cannot use the growth money for that is my understanding. And again, with us this morning, State Representatives Robert Stevens and Mike Sparks. And I guess if you were to boil down illegal immigration to make it a, a understandable for everyone listening, comes to the top of my mind is it would be kind of like a restaurant giving out free food for a couple of nights, which that's a nice thing to do. Good gesture. But then when it comes to that restaurant handing out free food for the next 10 years, it gets a little pricey, and that restaurant would definitely go out of business probably within the first week or so. Well, it would, and, and there are studies out there that show the cost of illegal immigration per state, and it's just billions of dollars all over the country that the states have to pay. It's not just schools. I mean, you have health care, and you have the cost of, uh, if you have somebody who's driving a vehicle without insurance, you've got to factor in those costs, and it's just on and on and on, and uh, we've got to figure out how to get our federal government focused on this and, and get somebody to secure that border. And I just realized we're already out of time, so uh, sorry it's been cut so short. Uh, but uh, Representative Sparks, thank you for joining us. Yeah, and thank you, Scott. Thank you, Robert. And thank you, Stevens, as well. All right, thank you for having us. Right now that time, 9 o'clock, and you're listening to WGNS Murphy's Bro on this Friday morning today. January the 26th. We do have more news and information coming your way next, so make sure you stay with us. Again, the time right now, it's at the 9 o'clock hour, and you're tuned to WGNS Murfreesboro. And local news is next with WGNS's Ron Jordan.